Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world, with the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author, Matt Adams. Welcome into the Fairways of Life show, folks. Absolute delight to have your company on this Tuesday. So we've got a lot to go through with you today. We have a major champion coming up on the program today. And we want to talk about a number of different things, not the least of which is what's the mindset of a major champion. We're on the verge of the major season of 2024. What does it take? Who could it be? Here's a look at the majors on the men's side of the game. Of course, the Masters, the 8th through the 14th, the PGA Championship will be at Valhalla. The U.S. Open back at Pinehurst number 2 in June. And then the Open at Royal Troon. So really looking forward to getting into that. So yesterday, we had a huge response from all of you about the question of who will be the next first-time major champion. And after we got done, I'll give you just an example of some of the things that came through. This is a, a... note that came through to me. This was from Norm. He said, just a note to pass along to Dom. Sam Burns has played in 14 majors, made the cut in just eight, and his best finish is a tie for 20th. Not a promising look for his pick for the next guy to break through. And he did a little emoji with the wink. So with that, Dominic, with with the response that we've had, and I don't actually think Sam Burns was all that bad a pick because he's, what, eighth in putting, if I remember correctly? Where do you stand right now? How restless a night was it when you heard back from all the people? I was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. And it got me thinking about how exciting this topic is. And so Uh I got a bunch of graphics and I got a lot of thoughts and I want your thoughts. And we're going to discuss this. I know we got a really amazing guest coming up uh, who can probably help answer some of our questions. But for now, let's speculate. Andrew, put the first graphic up. (laughs) So I, what I did is I put together a, a pretty heavy-duty list, all right? This is the first graphic. We're going to have a second graphic with an additional eight. Matt, when you look at this list, what do you think? Well, based on what you said yesterday, right, the, the question was yesterday, if I remember correctly, it was who do you think is going to be the next first-time winner of a major? And you had Xander... You had Patrick Cantlay, and you had Max Homa, then you had an other, if I remember correctly. And then then you had a write-in, and everyone was writing in for Victor Hovland at a, at a high percentage. It, is my recollection collect, correct on all of that? Yes, it is. All That's right. correct. And so— And then you and I made picks, our own picks. We, we threw out some—now, I, I, I had not done my typical full-blown producer research. So <clears throat> I selected Sam Burns, and we put this up on the screen— that Andrew and I had collected yesterday before the show, and here are my thoughts about why, and I really think he's he's the next guy, and here here's here's why I think that, and then I went through it all. I spent some time, we collected some data, and today's question of the day is: Dom has changed his pick. Would you like to change yours? So I have changed my pick, Matt, and this is my new are pick. Are you Tom kidding Tim. me? I've changed my pick. Here's here's the new pick. All right, let me read. Just let me read what you see on the screen. Okay, it's bananas. Tom Kim is still only 21 years old. He okay. already has 12 professional wins. Already, three of those are on the PGA Tour. 
Big boy stuff. He won when he was on the Asian tour at only 17. He's still inside the top 20 in the world. Also, also, last year, 2023, was his first full season on the PGA Tour. 27 starts. In his first full season, essentially at 20 years old, he made 22 of 27 cuts and was 19th on tour in strokes gained total. And you can see there at the bottom, he's got a little bit of team experience. Additionally, he had two top 10s in majors last year. Tied for eighth at the U.S. Open, tied for second at the Open Championship. I changed my pick. Would you put Dominic back up on that split screen so I so we can go through the, the reality screen. of what take place here? So not only are you telling us that you changed your pick. I take a sip of this when I'm not on camera, and now you put me on camera. Right, but not Screw only are over. you telling us that you changed your pick, but you've cast yourself as a victim of circumstance in terms of how yeah. you chose Sam Burns to begin with, and now with That's a much more sober mind, you're saying you've decided that it's going to be Tom Kim. Yeah, well, that's just my pick. Hold but, on a second. But, Andrew, put the, put the Sam, second page Sam up. Sam Burns is on line two. Could you put Sam Burns on it, Dom, please? <laughs> put the – yeah, there you go. So here's another collection of eight guys. We, we've given you their age. Also interesting and important to note, when we write professional wins, that is not PGA Tour wins. Because a lot of these guys have won on the Corn Ferry Tour. In the case of Joaquin Neiman, he's won on the Live Tour. Some of these guys have won uh, on, on tours all over the world. So I, I think a professional win is a professional win, and there's tremendous value in that. And so that's why I just listed it as professional wins. And then we have, obviously, of course, the top tens that they've had in major championships and how they've done in majors. Now, there's a couple things I want to note, Matt, that I just want to point out to you that mm -hmm. surprised me when I was going through them. The first is on the page you're looking at. Of the 16 guys that, that I went through, because the, the previous graphic and this graphic, Ricky Fowler is the oldest of the group. That surprised the hell out of me. I thought, I thought it would be Tommy Fleetwood. I thought Tommy Fleetwood was old. I knew Matt Toma was in his mid-30s. You know, I know Terrell Hatton was old, not old. It's all relative, obviously. But I did not think Ricky Fowler was the oldest. Also, interesting to note, you can see there next to Ricky Fowler's name, he has the most top tens in major championships out of the entire group. Also something that I didn't expect. That surprised me. And now, Andrew, go to the other one. Uh, switch back to the other graphic. On this graphic, Matt, First of all, you can see why I picked Tom Kim, right? He's got the most wins, most professional wins of, of every, everybody in the group. He's also the youngest of the entire group. I thought it might be Ludwig or, I, rem, you know, I was like, yeah, I feel like Victor Hovland's still pretty young. But these guys are mostly in their mid-20s. Tom Kim is 21 years old. Additionally, with Ludwig, look at this. Zero starts in majors. Yeah. He's going to be playing in the Masters coming up. That will actually be his first major start. It's interesting that he's on this list. Only 24. He's number 11 in the world. He's never even played in a major. But somehow we have him on this list. And I think he belongs on this list as a potential major champion this year. And then, so, Andrew, go to camera two with Matt and bring in the other graphic that I was telling you about with the, uh, yeah, that's the one. I put this list together, Matt, and I'm curious what you think about this list. And I think our next guest is going to be a great guy to answer this list. They're your qualities. That's what's required to win a major. Read those off and tell me if you agree. Uh, if for those on the radio side, mental strength, clutch factor, 
putting prowess. I know those two are very closely aligned. Ball striking, distance, and recent form. Now, the only thing, the the one change that I would make would be total distance versus just distance, just raw distance. There are majors, like what we saw with Bryson do at Winkfoot, there are times that you can overcome a golf course with distance, but it's rare, particularly in a major. Uh, by the way, as this conversation goes, my bro- one of my brothers, my brother Bob just wrote in, and he said, Cameron Young for him, then Victor. So the conversation is going on in, in all quarters everywhere. Uh, the only thing I could say to Cameron Young was, I was with Cameron Young. I was doing the on-course play-by-play for the World Radio last year at the Open. And I was with him for his final 36 holes. And with all due respect to, to Brian Harmon, who won because he did what he had to do, Cameron Young should have won that event by multiple strokes. You could make an argument as high as like 10 strokes. He had so many birdie opportunities, he couldn't get the ball in the hole. He was just snake bit that week. So for Cameron Young, for me personally, I just need to see more performance on the greens in these crucial situations such as major championships. All right, but let's go back to, to Dom's recasting of reality here. And let's talk, let's talk about Tom Kim for a second, right? Go ahead, throw that graphic you have up there, Andrew, about Tom Kim and, and where he stands. We we heard all the PR that, that Dom's throwing in, 21 years old, 12 PR. pro wins. Yeah, I mean, I like Tom Kim. I'm just, I'm just, you, what I'm saying is, is this, and this is what you did yesterday when, when you were promoting Sam Burns, and I don't know who you're going to promote tomorrow. Because when you tell us that, Tom Kim was 19th in strokes gained putting in 2023. That's great. That was a great performance in 2023. But then you just showed us a chart you put together on current form. Tom Kim, current form, strokes gained total, is 99th. Matt, there's been like three tournaments. No disrespect. The tournaments? All right, let's go down that road. Tom Kim, Century, tied for 45th. American Express, cut. AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, tied for 31st. Waste Manager, WM, not Waste Management, WM Phoenix Open, put a quarter in the jar. Tied for 17th. Genesis Invitational, tied for 24th. Trending, maybe? Strokes gain total, 99. Strokes gain off the tee, 96th. Strokes gain putting, critical at Augusta National. He's 155th, Dom. Driving distance, he's 106th. Driving accuracy, he's 86th. So not not only is he right now short by comparison to his peers, but he's crooked. And when he gets it on the green, he's not even close to average in making a putt. I his feel club like speed is ranked 150. Job just to trash my pick. No, no, no. What this I'm waiting what, for this is, is not what this is about. No, no. What I'm waiting for is when are you going to cast yourself as a victim now and go? You know what? I made a mistake. I looked at last year's numbers. Oh, need, come look- on. NBC so you're resolute, Tom writes, Kim. Uh, Sam Burns should be high on this list. Yes. Uh, Ted says, Kim is possible. Tom Kim is possible. John says, Hovland needs to get his game going quick if he's going to grab a major this year. All right, let Sepp me see what... Straka is a sleeper, they write. Andrew, is Sepp on this list? Is he on the second page? Yeah, he's on the second page, he lower is. left. Yeah, put it up there, Andrew. He's 30. He's got three wins and two major top tens. Or wherever that's worth. I also now, look, have the next the next major. Out. I have some honorable mentions. Andrew, put the honorable mentions up there. Um, Kurt Kitayama. These these guys didn't make the list, but they're like just barely off the list. Okay. Kurt Kitayama, Emiliano Grillo, Sahith Tagala, 
Adrian Moronk, Min Woo Lee, which I like that, by the way. I like that I Min, like Woo, Min Lee Woo Lee option. I like Min Woo Lee, too. And then Taylor Gooch. And you can see there, this is a totally separate discussion, but you can see next to Taylor Gooch, it says 449. That is his current world ranking. Yeah, which means which, you got to straighten I gotta out I got to be the... honest. That makes no sense. So, yeah. It's clearly yeah. not correct, but... <laughs> Yeah, that's got to get that's got to get worked out too. All right, so let's because the, the Masters obviously is our next major, and everybody's going crazy about Hovland. Let me see where Hovland is. I, I with, with Victor, it's a really small sample, but I'm going to say right now, currently, because because the fact that the PJ Tour season starts in January again, strokes gained tee to green. Victor Hovland is 132nd ranked on tour. Strokes gain approach to green, 144. Strokes gain around the green. We're talking about the first major at Augusta National. Note, he's 167th. Total driving, 91st. Driving distance is good, 47th. Driving accuracy is 140th. So, you know, Victor, I do believe that Victor Hovland has what it takes. But right now, his form is not the best. So Dom kept asking me, oh, before we went on the air, he asked me 100 times, are you going to change your pick? And I said, Dom, here's the yeah. way I did it yesterday. You told us that you had essentially four guys. Because I went to him and said, what's your question of the day? And he said, who's going to be the next first-time winner of major, right? And again, Xander, Cantlay, Homa, telling me the write-in was Victor Hovland. So I stayed away from those four because I thought that was the rules. Yeah, but I'm the producer. No. I make the rules. I also change the rules. <laughs> yes. Yes. On the fly. So my I, picked, <laughs> I picked Joaquin Neiman, and I did it because of current form. His last six starts, he had a third, 30th, a win, fourth, wins at the Australian Open, fifth at the Australian PGA. He's got current form. He's only 25 years old. Right. So I, I, I was, I'm going to stay with Joaquin because he was my pick. If, if, if I thought, depending on Dom's moving target of rules, that I could pick anybody, I would have picked Xander Shoffley as the pick. Andrew, All right. So Dom. The first one. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. He's, he's putting up this, the, uh, the chart. I mean, it's, yeah. it's I mean, all good. All right. So here's argue. the thing. Did, given this conversation, given the reaction, and given the public scorn that you were subject to, what is today's question of the day? Where did you go? Uh, today's question is, Dom has changed his pick for the next first-time major winner. Would you like to change yours? <laughs> You've got to be kidding. <laughs> and right now, it's 90% no. And of if course. you recall, yesterday, a majority of the people said the next major winner would the next first time major winner would be Victor Hovland. Right. Now, Andrew, put that list of, of the qualities of what it takes to win your first major uh back up on the screen. Because Matt, our 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 next guest coming up is going to be able to answer this question for you. All these questions will be answered for you by our next guest. And I, I just love I love the idea of going down the road of what does it take to get over that hump. And is there value in showing up big time at a Ryder Cup like Max Homa, right? So Max Homa maybe doesn't have 10 years of playing a major championship experience, but 
showing up big time at a major under that uh, at, at a Ryder Cup under the, under that crucible. Is that is that what is that what is that what it takes? Is that what you need to cross over? All right, a lot we'll of go, layers down, we'll go down that list with with our very next guest. Now, I will say this: if we're going to talk about current form and we're going to talk about attributes for Augusta National, I'll throw a couple names at you that I don't think's on any of the lists so far. Recently, a winner on the PGA Tour, Matthew Pavone, is number three in strokes game putting. Other highly ranked players in strokes game putting that are showing good form flashes. Justin Saw and Eric Cole. A couple more names just to throw into the, to the mix. I'm sure this is a conversation that we can continue for some time as we march closer and closer to the first major of the year on the men's side of the game. And our next guest knows exactly what that's all about. A major champion will be joining us on the other side of this break. The Fairways of Life show is presented by the PGA Tour Superstore. They are the number one golf retailer from coast to coast with their big, beautiful stores. But more so than that, I think it is their people that make the difference. Shop with the pros at your happy place. Easy now. Find your happy place. It's all in the hips. Just tap it in. Yes! Find the latest clubs and apparel at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses. All set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs, the Tour Ball reinvented. The Gen 6 Iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I've ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 Iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date. And they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're going to love them. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm going to go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're going to need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. 
Boeing Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boeing Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boeing Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boeinggolf.com. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life Show, folks. Pleasure to have your company. Mark Kalkavecchia, a major champion, 29 professional wins amongst his efforts over the years, 13 PGA Tour titles to his credit, four PGA Tour champions wins along the way. He won the 1989 Open at Royal Troon. Four times he represented the United States at the Ryder Cup in 87, 89, 91, and 2002. He was on the 1998 United States President's Cup team. He had 762 starts on the PGA Tour, resulting in 27 runner-up finishes and 142 top 10s, 250 PGA Tour champion starts with 51 top 10s to his credit there. Total, 1,012 total starts in 193 top 10s for Mark Kalkovecki. And Kalk, I can see on my preview screen, that's making you smile, but something tells me somewhere in your body you're feeling every one of those starts. <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely feel it, that's for sure. Uh, great being with you guys. And uh, 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 yeah, I've been around a while, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not done yet. Getting ready to go out and play some more on the Champions Tour and uh, been playing pretty good at home, so let's just see if I can bring it to uh, bring it to the tournaments. I love it. All right, so in the last segment, because I again I could see in, in our studio here that you were hooking up and getting ready to come on with us. We were talking about attributes of a major champion. So Andrew, let's find that graphic, put that up on the screen, so we can we can let Calc discuss. Are there particular attributes for a major champion, whether we're talking about a particular major individually or whether we're talking about attributes of a major champion at large? You can see them on there. Take it as you please. I think it's a combination of both, uh, depending on which major you're talking about. Uh, you know, right off the bat at the Masters, uh, Brendan and I are going this year, and the last name you mentioned, I was waiting for it, uh, is Eric Cole. I play a lot with him at Tequesta Country Club, and uh, we're going to go up and watch him this year, uh, along with uh, several other members from Tequesta. Uh, so it'll be a lot of fun, but uh, he's going to be licking his chops. Uh, he hasn't played it yet, but when he sees that course, uh, he hits a high draw, uh, and he can sling it uh, you know, on holes like 10 and 13. A lot of holes you don't need to really hook it much, but two. Uh, but uh, And his short game is, is world-class. Uh, Chipping, bunker game, and uh, he, he's a fantastic putter as well. So I, I think he'll do really well there. But then you look at a tournament like the Open uh, where weather could be a big factor. So there you have guys that need to play well in cold weather and rain and whatnot. U.S. Open, uh, you better have your driver going in the right direction. So I think each major kind of uh, PGA, sometimes they get a lot of rough there as well. Uh, each major, you, you know, I think uh, – brings out different parts of uh, all these great players' games. 
right. Uh, so, Calc, let me let me reel back the years here for a second. I want to go back to Masters final round, nineteen eighty eight, back nine. Sandy Lyle fails to birdie thirteen and fifteen. You birdie thirteen, and you take the individual lead on the back nine in the final round of that Masters. At that point, do you recall what your emotions were? What was going through your mind? Um, it, it was, uh, the conditions were pretty tough that year. You know, we weren't shooting very low. I think I was only six under at the time. And, uh, I think That's Sandy right. finished at seven under when he birdied the last hole to win. So it was, a, it was a tough week. Uh, pars were good. And, uh, y- you know, I was trying to get another birdie, but I figured as long as I kept making pars, I'd be in pretty good shape. And, uh, it's kind of what happened the last, uh, four or five holes. I made a couple of uh, nice par putts on, uh, 16 and 17 and a from five feet and a good chip from short of the green on 18. So, uh, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think about Sandy Lyle too often, but every April I do, uh, I can tell you that, uh, it would have been not, nice to have a green jacket hanging in my closet, but you know, he had one of the greatest shots out of that fairway bunker on 18 and, uh, and major, well, he masters or any major, uh, history really, uh, and to, and to make the putt on top of it was, uh, was something else. Yeah, to, to hit the seven iron out of that bunker and have it come back to the hole the way it did is is mind-blowing. But but I'm interested in what your mind was like at that time. You were clearly one of the top players in the world. You were knocking on the door everywhere all the time constantly. I remember you and you and Kenny Green kind of owned the the PGA Tour back in the in those days. Uh, but at that point, did you believe or do or were you even conscious of the fact of going through the process and thinking ahead of saying, my gosh, I might be on the verge of winning the Masters, or were you such a honed competitor by that time that your mind was only on what you needed to do next and thinking about, like you said, I need to make a birdie somewhere? Yeah, in in, in 88, uh, because it was only my uh, my second Masters, um, you know, I was like, you know, this would be cool to win this tournament, but if I don't, and, and I thought this way afterwards, uh, you know, I'm going to have another 20 opportunities, so I'll, I'll get a green jacket one of these days. Uh, and of course, it didn't didn't work out that time. But what when I did start thinking about it was I birdied the first hole in 2001 to tie for the lead on Sunday, and then I started thinking about if they had a, a green jacket big enough to fit me, uh, <laughs> and and that kind of unraveled me the rest of that day. And I it was I was playing well too. Uh, I was really confident and. Uh, was sure I was going to, you know, have a good chance to win it coming down the stretch, but uh, didn't didn't work out. Uh, I still had a good tournament. I think I tied for fourth. But, yeah, that 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 year is when I really thought about uh, uh, slipping that green jacket on on my uh, on myself. It's an age old question, isn't it? This this idea of. Do you want is the best player in the world seemingly of like a Jack Nicholas mindset that has complete and total cognitive control of the situation where he is, what he needs to do, or are you better to be a person that has it completely and totally turned off in your mind and everything is on autopilot? Where would you fall? You, you know, I, I think when it comes to events like that, it, it's the guys like Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods, uh, uh, their greatness, you know, when you believe you can do it and you know, you're, you're better than everybody else. Uh, I, I think that has a lot to do with winning majors. Um, you know, it's hard to it's hard to be a first time major winner. Uh, in '89, when I won the Open, I was just uh, playing well and super confident. And and even then, I I got a couple super lucky breaks. Obviously, flying the chip in the hole on 12, and then uh, 
having Wayne Grady make a few bogeys for me on uh, on the par threes in the back nine. So, uh, and then I was able to get it done in the playoff. But a lot has to go right to uh, to win a major and to be a first time major winner, especially. Yeah, well, hold that thought on the the eighty nine open because I want to get into it with you some detail. Uh, when we're talking about Jack Nicklaus, if if memory serves me. Growing up, you were playing against, in South Florida, you were playing against Jackie a lot. Am I correct on that? Correct. Uh, he was one of the uh, first kids I met when I got down to uh, to North Palm Beach in the summer of 1973. Uh, we played a lot of uh, junior golf together and then, of course, uh, four years of high school together. Uh, different high schools, but uh, yeah, we, we played matches against each other all the time. So how much was the occasions that you had to be around his father, the legend, Jack Nicholas important in your career. What what imprint did that put on Mark Halkovecchia? Oh, he was you know he's he's my golfing idol. Always has been. Always will be. Uh, the way that, that he treated me back in the uh, you know seventy three all through high school. Uh, he came to watch a lot of our matches if he was home, and uh, you know to have Jack Nicholas uh, watching you play golf, and then you know when it's done. Uh, say super nice things to you. You know, I really like your game, Mark, blah, blah, blah. I think you've got a bright future. You know, all these things. Well, you know, he was just always, always so nice and complimentary to me. And, and that, you know, that built my confidence a lot. Uh, I was able to uh, win quite a few junior tournaments and, uh, uh, and you know, have a, have a, a, a good junior career. And, and uh, Jack Nicholas's uh, uh, niceness and, and confidence in me had a lot to do with that. Very cool stuff. Mark Alcavecchi is our guest. We will continue our conversation on the other side of this as the Fairways of Life show continues on this Tuesday. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. It's all in the hips. Just tap it in. Yes! Find the latest clubs and apparel at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs. The Tour Ball reinvented. The Gen 6 Iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I have ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 Iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date. And they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're going to love them. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm going to go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're going to need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. 
all their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know, Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boynegolf.com. Zero Friction introduces the Wheel Pro Push Cart Golf Bag with its revolutionary three-in-one design, supportive legs that spring into action, a comfort grip handle with three locking positions, accessories for the modern golfer enhanced by seven pockets for more storage, and removable all-terrain wheels which slide right into place. The new Zero Friction Wheel Pro Golf Bag checks every box for every golfer. Push, carry, or cart, the decision is yours thanks to Zero Friction. Head to ZeroFriction.com today. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life Show. Matt Adams here with you. Andrew and Dom are behind the glass. Our guest is 1989 Open champion Mark Kalkovecchia. Kalk, I got to ask you something, and our, our discussion board is going crazy. If you guys want to be a part of it, go to the Fairways of Life YouTube channel. You're a Gator, aren't you? Didn't you graduate from the University of Florida? Well, uh, I was a little short of graduating. Uh, I was on at least a five-year plan, somewhere between five and eight, and uh, made, it, made it three, so... Uh, uh, I did. Uh, I am a Gator. Uh, I, I assume you see this uh, Buckeye sweatshirt I got on. Uh, hey, yeah, it's making people go crazy. <laughs> well, Brent is a Buckeye. I'm, I'm guilty by association. But uh, luckily for me, I never liked Michigan, so it wasn't hard to jump on the Buckeye bandwagon. <laughs> oh, dude, you, you are making so many friends right now. I can assure you about that. <laughs> hey, I want to ask you about something. When you see Scotty Scheffler swing, and you know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah. How much yep. do you see Mark Kalkovecchia in that? Talk to us about his golf swing and yours. Yep. Uh, pretty similar, really. Uh, a lot of a lot of people forgot I had the right foot slide. Uh, you know, not as as I was never as fast. You know, obviously, or hit it as far as Scotty does, or swung that hard. So that's why his foot kind of keeps going. You know. Uh, and it's it's a lot of it's got to do with clearing your left side really hard, and then then your right foot just kind of goes back, and that's what Scotty does so well. Uh, but I mean, I've literally seen him nearly fall over where his right foot ends up on the other side of his left foot, you know, which which mine never did, or or Greg Norman uh, for that matter. He he also had the sliding right foot, but you know, I don't think anybody hits it as good as Scotty Scheffler. So uh, whatever he's doing uh, is is pretty dang good. Do you feel like in your personal game, Calc, that you were fortunate in that not only did you have the solid ball striking and accuracy, and all I have to do is look at what you did in Phoenix over the years, look at look at what you did, uh, for example, in the final round, we're going to talk about it at the open, you shot 64, uh, eight under that final day to, to put you in a position to win, which you did in that playoff, but you possessed both the brawn that you needed to do what you did in, in your era at the height of your prowess, but you also had touch with that putter. Right. And, and 
you know, my short game uh, and my ability to hit flop shots and, uh, you know, uh, short-sided chip shots, bunker shots, whatever. I think that had a lot to do with me being so aggressive and being able to fire at flags that a lot of guys didn't because I wasn't afraid to to short side myself, whether it be just left of the green or just right of the green or whatever. Uh, and I, I, I was confident I could get it up and down. So that really enabled me to mentally just say, what the heck, I'm going right at this flag when, when a lot of guys wouldn't have. So, uh, yeah, I think my short game in my prime was uh, – and at times it's still really good. It's it's streaky now. It's it's always been a little streaky. It's it's more streaky now. But uh, when I was playing my best golf in the late '80s and early '90s, uh, I could get it up and down from anywhere. But you were continuing to be a part of the mix. You talk about it yourself in the early 2000s uh, at the Masters, just as one example, and being able to win events. What was it about? Do you think your game that ha- that allowed you to have such longevity? You know, I never got that far off. I, I was lucky enough to, in, in the early, well, 1984, start working with Peter Costas. Uh, and back then, before Metal Woods, you know, everybody hit a hook. Uh, and I, I could hit it plenty of far, plenty far. So that's when we decided to kind of get me to hit a fade and, and get a, a Metal Wood with seven degrees loft and a really stiff shaft that was virtually impossible to hook. You could pull it, but you couldn't really hook it. And keep it in the air. So I think from that point on, uh, you know, 10 years working with Peter and, uh, and also working with Butch Harmon for, for 10 or 12 years, you know, it was just easy to uh, not, not get that far off with their help. Uh, and I think that's, you know, TD Green, uh, I was never lost, so to speak. And I, I think that's kind of what really uh, enabled me to keep playing fairly consistently well uh, for several years in a row. What about putter? loyalty did you stick with the same blade or did you switch around <laughs> i used the ping answer most of my uh, most of my career uh you know or an answer to uh, was what i used in phoenix when i shot 28 under uh you know and then from that point on i kind of started switching around a lot uh, and i was telling uh eric cole this the other day in pro-ams on wednesdays i never used my gamer uh, I used another putter because I didn't want to waste making a bunch of putts in the pro-am, <laughs> if that makes any sense. So, uh, or if I, if I got like five or six or seven under in the pro-am, I'd, I'd tell my caddy, I'm, I'm going to hit one on the water here, or I'm going to, I'm going to make, you know, blow this first putt 20 feet by or something and, uh, make a few bogeys. So I didn't shoot too low in the pro-ams, but, uh, uh, all us golfers are crazy. You know, we, we get to thinking like that where, uh, uh, you don't want to you don't want to go too low in the pro am or make too many putts on Wednesday and, and save them up for the tournament. All right, so it's got to be a shrine somewhere. Where, where do you have the putter oh, yeah. from Royal Troon? Where, where, what wall is that up on? Oh, well, here's a tragic story for you. Uh, I do not have that putter. Uh, I have every other putter that I won a tournament what? with uh, on a club rack. Uh, and back uh, in the early '90s, I guess it was. Uh, my first wife, I had two bags of clubs, my, my, or putters, my good ones and my kind of donated ones or giveaway for, uh, uh, you know, for auctions or uh, charities or whatever. And she says, uh, somebody wants a putter or whatever. I said, okay, fine. You, you know, go to the, the bag with the crappy putters in it. And she went to the wrong bag. And the one that she picked out had a weld mark on the bottom of it. And that's the putter I won the open with. It was a, a ping answer 
uh, but it had a weld mark on the bottom. So if anybody's listening to this and they got an old tank answer with a weld mark on the bottom of it, can I have it back, please? <laughs> oh my so, uh, gosh! Yeah, yeah. So off it went, and uh, so I haven't somebody seen it wanted since. like a charity yeah. charity event, like uh, we got this used putter, you guys. It, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No idea that it's uh, it won the open at uh, at Royal Train in '89. So, and I did note, just uh, not to be cruel, but I noted that you said it was my first wife, so now we understand what happened. <laughs> right. Yeah, things weren't so good after that. <laughs> the 1989 Open at Royal Troon, before we get into the details, I just want to ask you about Royal Troon itself, the character of the golf course, the philosophy that one has to have when you're playing it. What are your thoughts about Royal Troon? Well, when I first got there, uh, uh, the weather was beautiful all week it was 70 degrees uh probably not more than a 15 mile an hour wind and uh my first practice round was uh, uh mark o'meara and i took on curtis strange and arnold palmer so oh. my first look at uh, royal troon was playing with those three guys and, and you know the, the king arnie so uh, and i made a putt in the last hole in the practice round to take like 50 pounds off of him and he was uh Arnie didn't like to lose no matter what it was. So uh, but that was my first look at Royal Troon, and I knew I loved it. I think I played nine Tuesday, nine Wednesday, and I was ready to go. And, uh, again, it was it was a perfect week of weather, so it wasn't like, uh, you know, we we all had to battle super tough conditions. But still, the scores, you know, we only uh, – the playoff was at 13-under. Uh, it wasn't super-duper low. So, uh, you know, the golf course held up, and uh, just I just – it's rare you find a course where you, you really like like every single hole in the course, and uh, I do at Royal Trent. You went crazy in that final round, uh, an 8-under 64, which was, I believe it was the course record, if memory serves me. No, that sorry, that was Norman that went crazy. He buried the first six holes. Correct. Uh, I shot 71, 68, 68, 68. So, yeah, and then in the playoff, Norman buried the first two holes again, and I was like, man. You know, this guy's making uh, he's ten under through twenty holes. Uh, no, thank you for correcting me. The, did yeah, you know uh, though? No problem. Calc, did you know that it was going to be a four-hole aggregate playoff at that point, or where was your mind? Because this was the first one. Did you were you aware at that time? I had no idea because you know, at the start of the week, you're not worried about what what the playoff hole is going to be. Uh, you know, once. Uh, Right up until Wayne Grady didn't birdie 18, he had a little chip from the back of the green and made par. Uh, and then I asked the RNA official, I said, I assume we're going back to 18. I had no idea. He says, no, we're going to one. And one's the easiest hole in the course. It's a, it's a driver and a 60-yard little L-wedge shot with just a couple of little bunkers out there. And I said, well, that's a strange hole for a sudden death playoff. He says, no, we're playing one, two, 17, 18. So I said, oh, thank God. Uh, and it just... It was a relief uh, because anything can happen in sudden death on one hole. So I thought, oh, this is great. I got four holes to, you know, do something and uh, hopefully come out on top. And uh, that's kind of the way it worked out. All right. So you correct me that that Greg Norman goes crazy in that final round. And then you noted that in the first two holes of the playoff, he went birdie, birdie. There's only four holes. So if I may, take us through what happened with you and with Wayne and with Greg in those four holes. All right. Well, uh, Greg birdied the first hole from about 10 feet. Wayne and I parred. The second hole, I kind of thinned a nine iron because, you know, the fairways were, were dead. Uh, it was really hard to hit it super solid to the back edge, about 30 feet past the hole. I don't remember what Wayne did, but I know he made par. And then Greg hit it in there about 12 feet again. 
but I putted first and made my 30 footer oh. and then, uh, and then Greg poured his 12 footer in. So he was, you know, that's what I'm thinking. Is he going to birdie every hole on me out here or what? Uh, so he was two under, I was one under and, and Wayne Grady was even. So then we go over to 17, a long par three and Greg steps up and just roasts this three iron, uh, beautiful shot, uh, right in the middle of the green, but it went just over. I hit a three iron on the green and Wayne Grady hit it in a bunker. Now here's where, uh, what I couldn't believe my eyes at, uh, Greg was literally five feet over the green, but it was, there was no grass there, but there was one weed in front of, but a foot in front of him, dead, dead in his line, but it was a tall, skinny weed. And, and, you know, I, I think he pulled out a seven iron and I whacked my caddy on the shoulders. I said, I, can you believe he's chipping this? You know, I would have putted it every single day of my life. I would have putted it from there. And he chipped it about 10 feet by Wayne had a super hard bunker shot, hit it 20 feet by. I hit my 30 footer tap in, uh, Wayne missed and, and Greg missed. So now we're both one under and Wayne's one over. And uh, so on 18 in regulation, I hit a really good drive, not my all-time best. And I was only about four yards short of that bunker called the coffin bunker. And, uh, uh, and then Greg got up and just blistered one. And I, I was watching, I was on the left side of the tee and I was watching it. And I thought to myself, if this kicks a little right, it was a solid fade right down the middle. If this kicks a little right, it might catch the corner of that bunker and it kicked right. And, and he was already 20 yards off the tee, and it kept rolling and rolling and rolling. And back then, my eyes were good. <laughs> and I saw it catch the corner of that little bunker. And I'm like, oh, that's dead. He's going to have to chip out. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I, I hit a bad drive because I was afraid of hitting it in that bunker. So I kind of hit this fan drive out to the right, 201 yards from the hole. But I had a good lie in the rough and, and just hit the five iron of my life. Uh, it looked like it was about three feet from back there. But it was about seven feet short, and that's when Greg uh, decided he needed to try to do something heroic and uh, get it out of that bunker as far up there as he could. And then he hit it in the cross bunker, and then he hit that one in the clubhouse, and uh, that, that was essentially it. So at, at that point, uh, I knew I could three-putt from seven feet and win the Open. But my only thought, and I've never had this thought before that or since, uh, don't double hit it. If, if you watch the replay, uh, I kind of short stroked it and recoiled a little bit. It barely got to the front edge and fell in. And uh, again, my wacky brain comes up with these things. But uh, yeah, that was it. And then, uh, you know, the next thing, I don't even remember what I said in the speech. Uh, no recollection of that. The next thing I really remember was uh, riding back to the, uh, ho the, uh, the hotel in Air. Uh, it was called the British Caledonian with the, with the claret jug in my lap. And my caddy sitting next to me, and we just started laughing and said, "What? What the heck? What the heck just happened?" And uh, that was it. Amazing. When did the real re realization of what just happened settle in? How how did winning a major championship, or did it change Mark Alcavecchia? Um. Well, the next morning, I, of course, I was in coach back there holding the claret jug, and the and the captain came came back to me and congratulated me. and says, "We can't have our open champion sitting back here in coach." So the, so that was the first perk. He, he brought me up to first class. Uh, so that, that was fun. But, uh, you know, just uh, it, it was a great couple of weeks uh, in my life. Went, went back to Phoenix, which is where I was living at the time. And uh, 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 my wife was due with, uh, uh, we didn't know she was a girl. We didn't know, uh, but she was a girl. 
and uh, and she was born two weeks late, so she was born Tuesday of the PGA that was at Camper Lakes. So uh, we uh, we named her Brittany, uh, Brett for short, and uh, you know that's uh, that's that's how she got her name uh, from uh, from me winning the Open. So that was pretty cool. It is so cool. Calc, it is great catching up with you. Thank you very, very much for giving us as much time as you did today and, and sharing some of these memories and talking about major champions. Uh, you mentioned at the start that you're going to get out there and play some. Uh, when can we expect to see you next? Next week in Tucson. I'm going to play the next uh, – our next three tournaments are out west. Uh, we play at uh, La Paloma, a new course in Tucson, which I played and I like. Uh, then a week off. Uh, so we're, we'll go out to Phoenix, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna drive our bus out there actually. So uh, we're we're kind of packing up this week and uh, getting ready to hit the road uh, out west. So we'll take four days to get out to Tucson, and then hang uh, with my daughter and son-in-law and my new uh, grandbaby out in Phoenix for a week. Oh, congrats! Uh, and then the next tournament's in uh, Newport Beach, California, and the one after that's in Palm Springs. Uh, Great, so looking forward. To it'll it. be a nice little West Coast swing, and uh, then we'll, we'll we'll drive on back uh, east. That's awesome, man. We're very much looking forward to seeing you out there again. Again, thank you for your time. We wish you the best. You got it, Matt. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. All right, folks, more of the Fairways of Life show coming up right after this. And before we wrap up today, I definitely want to check back in with Dom and see what the thoughts of all of you are in terms of the question of the day and more. Stay with us. Yes, hello world, huh? <laughs> and with one subtle hello, Tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career. I've done it for 20 years now with, with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens, and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. Boeing Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boeing Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boeing Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boeinggolf.com. I think when you're training for other sports or you're what why most people go to the gym is so that they can like have muscles and you know be strong and be healthy and a lot of the reason why they struggle to play golf is their body doesn't move properly for them to be able to hit a golf ball and when you're training for golf it's a little bit different because you're focused more on flexibility and mobility and being uh, strong in motion when you're able to kind of have a warm-up and have a workout routine and kind of gradually build up to where you're training your body to move properly yeah you're gonna get a lot of big dividends on the golf course Easy now. Find your happy place. It's all in the hips. Just tap it in. Yes! Find the latest clubs and apparel at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. What if we started a company and the company was under no time constraints, no financial constraints? The one constraint is their clubs had to be exceptional performers and much better than any other alternative. I was told time and again, it'll never work. It worked like a house of fire. And I'll tell you what, I think our customers love it. BXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. 
Stride by Zero Friction, the first of its kind personal cabin. Walk in comfort and style with Stride's remote and follow me technology. The Stride handles almost any terrain and its 54 hole range will last all day. The lightweight design and removable front wheels makes it simple to handle. Plus it easily fits golf carts. Order yours and save. Visit zerofriction.com backslash stride or scan the QR code to order yours today. Stride, your personal caddy. show on a Tuesday, folks. Thank you so much for your company as ever. Calc was amazing. How about the story about his putter? I mean, I, I'm not saying it's necessarily... What is that about? Yeah, it's not necessarily, you know, Hogan's one iron, but still, you know, it's a very distinctive club. It won a major. And he said it had a weld mark on the sole. So if you won a putter, a ping answer putter back in the day, I don't know when, but sometime in the last, what, 35 years, and it has a weld mark on the sole, at least send a photo of it off to Calc or send it to us and we'll send it to him if you want. We'll figure out if we can make this mystery come back together again. Is that amazing? <laughs> he gave away his putter? Incredible. All right, Tom, so what are you hearing right now? Tell, remind everybody what the question of the day was, how we got to it, where we stand. I, I just can't stop thinking about some hacker who's got no appreciation just wielding that putter and the local yeah. par three just smashing it into the green, getting all upset how bad he is. Using Calc's putter. That's terrible. He probably um, isn't even using it anymore. It's probably in a bin someplace. He's like, yeah, that thing's no good. Can't do yeah, anything with broken. it. <laughs> Can't do anything with it. That's right. Uh, Dom has changed his pick for the next first-time major winner. Would you like to change yours? No. 90%. Say the people. Oh, so stayed at 90%. Right for yeah. yourself. Andrew, put some of the graphics up. Put and up how did you, of eight. How did like you like minutes. that the first thing that Mark Kalkovecchia says is, yeah, Eric Cole is a really good pick. He didn't even call it a sleeper pick. He was just like, yeah, that's a really good pick right there. So some of the stuff coming in, I forgot about Aberg. No comment? Auberg. I always say it wrong. How do you say it? You, you seem to know how to say it. Auberg? Auberg? Well, that's because Daniel Chopra, who's Swedish, I can't say it the way he says it, but but Ludwig told everybody because the pronunciations were just brutal. He just said, just call it me Oberg. But but Daniel told me that it the, the correct-er way, there's a word for you, correct-er. Corrector? The correct-er way <laughs> is to say Auberg. So it's like almost like an A-U, Auberg. So Auberg. I forgot Auberg, Michael says. He'll win one before too long. After watching True. Burns on day one at the Ryder Cup, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, Hovland isn't playing strong right now. These are folks commenting on, on the, our, our topic, which you can see right there that we've been talking about. We only have about two minutes left. Uh, I would love to uh, – Zalatoris has best majors form over the last few years, but he has been struggling with that injury. And remember, he sort of changed his putting style, although he has – Which is kind of sign. started playing again, which is great. Yeah, that's a good Can't sign. Can't play must be due, they say. Uh, Neiman, someone writes in Neiman. There's a lot of people talking about Hovland here. So 
With about 90 seconds left, Matt, uh, I, Andrew, you, can you put up the uh, what it takes to win a major graphic? Um, the little floater that we had. So what I took away from Calc, and I know we only have about a minute left, but what I took away from Calc when I looked at that is it seemed to me that he was he was kind of intimating that that first thing on that list, mental strength, is the just full stop separator in major championships. So with only a minute left, Matt, I would ask of you, of the names that we went through, yeah. do you think you could identify who you believe has the, the best mental strength of the group? All right, so pull up the first graphic, if you would, Andrew. We'll go, we'll go graphic one, graphic two, in the seconds we have left. And Dom and my earpiece, you keep me honest on the time. Uh, I, on, on this page, in terms of mental strength, I like Victor Hovland. I like Max Homa. I like Ludwig, but he's young. Uh, Terrell Hatton can, can come from behind. Page two. Again, I like Sam Burns because he's, he's doing great in putting. Outside of that, I'm going to go Zalatoris. But if I'm going to go dark horses, I'm going to say Siwoo Kim and Eric Cole going into the first major. Plenty of time to keep this conversation going, folks. Again, thank you for your company today. It was awesome. We'll be back again tomorrow. Till then, bye for now.